Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me today via Zoom again, Ricardo Benavides and Brandon Stevens. Guys, say hello to the people. Hey everybody. Beautiful day here in the Northwest. Right, Brandon? Ricardo, how are you guys doing? I'm happy to be with you as always. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm a little sad that we're not together because Jeremy told me some bad news this morning. Yeah, I, I potentially was exposed to COVID. I'm feeling okay. No symptoms, thankfully. I was texting Brandon this morning. I'm like, man, should I go to try to get that Pfizer pill? Should I, should I get, do you, can you come over and test me? He's like, are you feeling sick? I was like, no. He's like, well, chill, man. See what happens. And yeah, I'm like, all right, well. Well, I, I, took, I took a test because um, uh, Dominic doesn't feel that great either. Mm. And uh, I think it's the allergies, but I was thinking, shit, you know, he's been out a lot. So um, I took a test and came back with the, no, no, I'm okay. So, well, we are, we are having an, an exceptionally tough allergy season. And I think a lot of people are getting sick also. So it's getting confusing for sure. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, the initial symptoms are pretty much the same, right? You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, well, Brandon, you weren't with us a couple of weeks ago because you were super sick and all, you had like all the symptoms of COVID, but it wasn't COVID. I I tell you, I, I've, I've had COVID about six months ago and it felt nearly the same minus the headache and the brain fog, which I have um, still had some long COVID effects, but it's it was actually worse to be honest with you. And I tested twice, got negative COVID results, but I thought for sure I had it, but nope. Yeah. 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 And another, it's going friend, around. Yeah. A mutual friend of mine and Brandon's both had it too. And, and he said he tested like four times because he could have, he swore he had COVID and it wasn't yeah. that either. So. And then today was my first day, like really exercising hard and man, I am like way behind the eight ball. I could barely breathe out there. Cause I had a pretty bad lung infection when I had that sickness, which honestly, the, when I had COVID, it really didn't affect my lungs. Like I said, it mostly was uh, like kind of a sore throat. I had a really like the headache for me was the worst. And so this one really got into your lungs. So honestly, Jeremy, I know you're kind of paranoid about COVID, but this other sickness that's going around seems to be getting in those lungs, which I know you're most worried about anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like today, man, all I'm doing is like, every time I have to clear my throat, I'm just like, shit, like, oh, man, is this it? Is this uh, is it coming on? Like, I, but I'm just, I think I'm just paranoid, so. I think so. I think yeah, yeah. I'll be all right. I keep my immune system, try to, at least in tip-top con- condition. Although we were all out at his Comer Rainier's game last night, and I rode with Brandon in the car. So if I have COVID, Brandon's probably got COVID too, for sure. Yeah, and thanks, man. No, I think the the good – I mean, I don't know about the good thing, but, like, you tend to get less sick than most of us, man, quite quite honestly. And I and you go out and do things, man, I, I honestly think it's because you touch less things. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, it probably is. It, and, and, and he's not exposed to children as much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Little as possible. No, it's good. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we all got to go out to a, a baseball game last night. It was fun to see you guys and actually be out doing something. Um, I was a little bummed out about the news today because it's like finally feeling like things are getting a little bit back to normal and now this. But you know, hey, we're gonna keep it moving and uh, and yeah, we're gonna keep keep going. So. Yeah, this week, uh, I'm super excited for our guest today, uh, Mike Nichols. Uh, he's a young man from New Jersey who got um, injured playing uh, ice hockey in high school. And yeah, he's got a, a pretty interesting story. Um, he's good friends with Eric Legrand, who's a friend of the podcast. Uh, and he's a, a Dana, Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation ambassador, I think. And uh, he's doing a lot, a lot of cool stuff. He's got like golf, you know, a golf tournament, a charity golf tournament. He did have a charity hockey tournament for a number of years up until COVID hit, and you know, he's hoping to get it back going this year. But um, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But um, Ricardo, you found a, a pretty interesting article that you sent to me 
Um, and I know we, we didn't share this with Brandon, unfortunately, ahead of time, but uh, he, he knows kind of the gist of it. So um, you, you want to kind of tell us a little bit about the article you found? Oh, yeah. So um, some scientists, um, let's see, where was it here? It was um, in, in, in a science area. Yeah, in London. Yeah. Um, anyhow, they. Um, it's an Imperial College London. Yeah. So some really smart guys um, were observed. How, were observing how fasting led to gut bacteria increasing the production of um, a metabolic a metabolic uh, no uh, a meto. Oh God, I can't say this word. It's on my tongue. Uh, but a meto metabolite known as three yeah uh what what jeremy said um known as uh, ipa and so that's what really drew me to it i go an interesting beer in your gut and uh but um the uh thing is is that this is a, a neuroprotective antioxidant and it's required for regenerating nerve fibers called axions and um this uh, strut-like structure at the end of the nerve cells, and it sends out um, electrochemical signals to other cells in the body. The new research is published in Nature and was um, conducted by researchers from the Imperial College of London. Yeah, so anyhow, um, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but I got glaucoma. And um, so I'm always looking up stuff about nerve regeneration and I came across this and it turns out that, uh, you know, it applies to a lot of things. So it's a very interesting article and it talks about how fasting helps these um, uh, metabolites, um, the IPAs uh, generate in your gut and then they move through your bloodstream basically up to like six hours they uh, in your bloodstream. And so uh, the fasting helps, uh, create this uh this state in your blood where this these go out and help your nerves regenerate and they've done some studies in mice so it's a great article and it would be nice if uh, we could get somebody on to talk about that jeremy yeah well i'm gonna reach out the the professor it looks like that is the head of the study is named uh professor simone d giovanni uh, and there he's from the Imperial, uh, whatever the school's name is, Department of Brain Sciences. But um, right now they did uh, the they basically severed or I don't know if they severed or damaged the it's, so it's a mice study and they, they damaged or severed the uh, sciatica nerve in, that runs, I guess, down your spine to your legs in mice and the ones that participated in the, the intermittent fasting where they basically fast like ate one day fasted for 24 hours and then ate the next day um, those mice had a, a lot better response to re recovery after this uh, damaged sciatica but the good news for people with spinal cord injuries is that they're going to start testing this on spinal cord injuries as well and they think they might be able to even make I guess a uh, serum, like a serum that they can inject. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah, exactly. So instead of actually maybe not having to do intermittent fasting, you might be able to just, they, they can take the, the result that with that, the, that IPA stuff and just, you know, make it artificially and inject it right into you and, and hopefully regenerate some nerve cells around uh, your spinal cord injury, which is very cool. So yeah, we will be uh, reaching out to Professor Di Giovanni, who, um, you know, my middle name is Giovanni. Brandon's oldest son, Ryder, his middle name is Giovanni. That's right. He's named after me, um, regardless of what Brandon's wife says. But, no, that's the truth. But uh, no, yeah. <laughs> she always tries to come up with some clever stuff, but it's not. So the, the crazy thing is, is when you're talking about um, these metabolites and things that are um, originated or the, the catalyst is inside your gut, this, this uh, serum that they're talking about, you know, there's other things that they're pulling from the gut as well that are showing positive results in healing. We've talked about peptides before, Jeremy, right. um, that, you know, specifically BPC-157, which are like basically a, 
a concoction of amino acids pulled from gastric juices. And the, and Ricardo, I don't know if uh, you were, we ever talked about those, but they directly um, uh, use a, um, like a subcutaneous needle. You know, you could either take it um, right in the injury or like back into your stomach and it's, it's shown positive results of healing tendons, muscles, nervous systems, ligament damage, and also other things. Um, so the, the gut is, you know, one of those places where I think they've realized that a lot of problems res are starting there and can, and a healthy gut can really help make the whole body heal up. Yeah. Gut health is, is super important for, you know, for sickness, you know, to, just to keeping you healthy, like all, like all disease and, and sickness starts, I heard somewhere. I'm, I'm not, don't quote me. Yeah. It, it's pretty sure interesting it though. In your stomach. It's interesting though, that, that fasting, I, I don't know, Ricardo, can you elaborate? So it's, um, it's like kicking those, it's making like a certain chemical reaction or something. Okay, so Brandon, I, I remember your question. So, yes. uh, so the, the answer to your question, Brandon, is, is I believe that uh, the lack of food generates all, stimulates all the gut enzymes in your stomach to uh, produce these additional uh, metabolites, uh, these. Uh, so, the IPAs? Yeah, the IPAs, yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And so Man. I've seen I've seen things like this before, um, where fasting will actually can induce like a, a euphoria, um, because um, the uh, your body um, tries to compensate, your brain tries to compensate to keep you off the mind. You know, so we're talking like long term fasting, like um, two or three days, right, where you don't eat, so you get this euphoric kind of a high. Um, and it's a way to um, distract your your mind from the food that you're missing. So, because you're supposed to be actively searching out food when, you know, and that's how they say that, you know, primitive man was able to cope without going for food for a long time. So, you know, so I like up to a week, I guess. Wow. Well, uh, it's definitely promising that the, the gut is is almost like a um, the center of the universe. Wonder, yeah, it's like this wonder of the world. Yeah, yeah. I saw something else at one time where you know people get their stomachs um, cut out, and um, you know because they want to lose weight and like a lap band or whatever. Yeah, those type things. Yeah, where, where they bisect some of the gut out, and they say that those people often have chronic health problems afterwards because um there's something in the lining of the stomach that is really beneficial to the body so yeah, well, I, I also wondered that myself because i um there's like somebody i know is getting the lap band and there's a couple other people that i've seen and they've lost a ton of weight but i was just wondering if there was any other drawbacks from that but i guess if you're cutting out some of the gut definitely i just didn't know if there were uh any drawbacks to I think that's the lap. gastric bypass when they cut it out and then the lap band yeah. where they just like. Yeah, I don't know about cutting any of your gut out. Yeah, it's not I, I mean, if, if you're going to get a lap band, you might as well get a lap dance to go along with all that music. So, um, but. <laughs> all right, man. I don't know. Where but <laughs> but um, no, I had a friend who had the gastric bypass and. Um, Sure, he's lost a lot of weight and he's been able to maintain it like over the last five years. And uh, but he does a lot of exercise. And I was always wondering, you know, if all the exercise that you if you had done that previous to your surgery, if you would still have the same results. But he takes a ton of supplements because yeah. his doctor says he needs to because he, his stomach doesn't can't metabolize the food correctly. Oh, so. Yeah. And can't yeah. you only eat like I, I heard like that you can only eat like whatever will fit on a playing card. Yeah, that's basically yeah. Yeah. That's basically when you go out with him and you go somewhere to get a burger or something, he's like three bites into it and it's over. So Dang. yeah. Well, we talked a lot, we've talked a lot about intermittent fasting on the podcast. 
because I know Jeremy's done that in the past or may still be doing it. Um, and I've, I've done it a few times. Um, and then also, you know, we've talked about different types of foods that with several of the guests, um, you know, food and inflammation. And, you know, that's all, that's all stemming from gut health. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I still try not to eat after like six o'clock at night. I mean, obviously if I'm out at a baseball game, drinking beers until 10 o'clock with you, you, you guys, it's uh, another story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and say it. You yeah. yahoos. So. <laughs> that was, it was a wild night. We had, we had a, we had a crazy night last night, but um, yeah, I mean, I generally don't eat after like eat or drink anything but water after six o'clock and then by the time i'm up the next day it's you know and have coffee it's like 11 30 or 12 so oh. i'm you know almost like 18 hours in on a fast anyway so it probably wouldn't be that hard to go 24 hours yeah i think jeremy another big thing that you do is uh you don't uh you never ever ever i've never seen you in the last i don't know 15 years not take the most amount of water that you're supposed to in the day. Like that's what you drink all day is water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's I mean, I, yeah, very key. Water, like iced tea in the summer or whatever, you know, I drink a little bit of that, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't drink soda. I don't drink like energy drinks, uh, any of that stuff. I just like have a couple cups of coffee in the morning usually or, or tea, like one of the, one or the other, like black tea or coffee. And then yeah, caffeine's hard to kick, man. It is. It's, it's, uh, that's a, that's a tough one for sure. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. I'm definitely going to reach out to the, this, uh, professor over there, uh, professor D Giovanni over in London to see what we can do about getting, uh, getting them on the podcast to talk about this. Cause I think it's really interesting and, uh, I would love to, to bring that to everyone hear a little more about it. Let's get to the interview, and then, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it on the other side. Yeah, sounds great. All right. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, we're excited to visit with Mike Nichols, who is a spinal cord injury survivor and a Christopher and Dana Reef Foundation collaborator. Mike, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Yeah, no, it's, I'm glad glad we were able to make this work. Uh, you know, so for anybody that doesn't already know your story, can you uh, give give us a little background? How were you injured? Um, what exactly happened? Um, pretty much, you know, long story short, uh, I was 17 years old uh, playing high school ice hockey, and I was on, you know, so, uh, some sort of breakaway. We were on the penalty kill. I was behind the defense, and uh, I was hit from behind, um, not viciously, um, about where the faceoff dot is in the offensive zone for anyone familiar with how a hockey rink is. And uh, the kid kind of fell on top of me, which prevented me from being able to get up. Obviously, he didn't need to fall on top of me. And I just went into the boards, hit, uh, hit the boards, uh, fracture my C5 vertebrae. Um, I had a stroke sometime within the first, you know, five, five, 10 days, 15, whatever. I don't really remember the first five and a half weeks, to be honest. Um, and uh, that was January 4th, 2014, and uh, eight and a half years ago, and uh, I'm here now. Wow, man. So, it- you know, going like how much time did you spend in the hospital if you if you ended up like I mean, and how did rehab go if you after a stroke on top of the spinal cord injury? Like, um, you know, talk about yeah, talk about kind of the after direct aftermath. Yeah, so um, thankfully the stroke wasn't uh, like serious and didn't affect me uh, verbally and co- cognitively, but it did affect me physically. Um, you know, I was only really able to shrug my left shoulder at the time, um, and not the right side once the stroke happened. Um, uh, as you know, C5, I really only had my biceps and they were so weak at that time. Uh, in total, I spent five months in a day in rehab and the hospital. 
Um, I spent five and a half weeks at the hospital and kind of did a kind of was ping pong a little bit. Went to the rehab for the Kessler for close to a week. Went back to the hospital for you know three days. Kessler for five. Back to the hospital for a week. Uh, in one of those instances, I flatlined, um, but you know, I'm here now, and uh, rehab rehab was really difficult. Uh, I was very weak in the beginning, but uh, through a lot of uh, patience and hard work, for sure. Uh, you know, my occupational therapist and my physical therapist doing a lot of work with me. Uh, I, was, I was able to, you know, gain back strength in both my arms, and I'm now able to move both my arms. Uh, very significantly, uh, I can use my wrist on my left hand side, some tenodesis, not so much on my right, but, you know, I am a very far improved, you know, I, I have a manual chair, which I can use also, mainly power chair, but uh, I enjoy them using the manual chair too, it's, uh, it's very fun, it's very uh, alleviating a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, Wow. I've been I've been through a very far road and made a lot of progress. Oh, that's great. That's great. What what was the you know I, I got injured in high school as well, not not playing sports, but um, you know what was that transition like for you coming back and like going back to school and everything um, after you know the the injury in a wheelchair? Like how did that kind of affect you? Affect your student, uh, you know, fellow students and stuff. Dude, so. I broke my neck January of my senior year of high school. Oh, damn. So, uh, it sucked. Yeah. Like, senior, senior year, like, come on. Like, I like to say, like, I grew my first chest there. Like, <laughs> then I broke my neck the next day. Um, yeah. So, you know, and you know, senior year is always a little more lackadaisical than any other year in high school. Right. Uh, just because you have, like, you know, most of your classes done. And I remember I needed one class. It was this language arts class. And, and ironically, I now work at the high school that I graduated from oh, as a paraprofessional. Wow. Um, so the teacher that was, you know, she was my teacher for language arts. Um, she sent me a, a book, a, a Tupac book with all of his poems. She knows I'm, like, a big poetry guy, big hip-hop guy especially 90s hip hop. And um, I, uh, she sent that to me and inside of it, it said, uh, Mike, if you actually read this book, you'll actually deserve the 100 that I'm giving you. Like that was the only class I needed to pass in like gym and stuff. So like I, I, I was good. I really didn't do much last six months of high school. I had to go in one day for attendance and we watched the movie that day. So that was cool. Um, and then, you know, I went to, actually the day I came home, uh, the day after the next day was my senior prom and I went to my senior prom the following day. And that was kind of my first, um, experience being with my peers, uh, as, as someone in a wheelchair. But, uh, my first experience going back to school is when I went back to college, uh, maybe a couple years, two or three years afterwards. And uh, that was definitely a very tough experience, very, very hard for me. But, um, yeah, I, I had a good time uh, when I came home for the hospital that, that, that summer. Yeah, we had, me and you have pretty similar experiences because I was a senior when I got injured. I actually got injured in January uh, or January 18th of my senior year so. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and I had, but I went to yeah. I ended up going to senior prom too, and all that stuff. Man, I was pretty, pretty. Uh, in, prom king? What's that? No, I, no, I think they had already voted on that. So before I came, in. I know, right? I was like, I, I figured I would get just like some sympathy votes or something, man. But that, uh, I won, I won prom king purely off of sympathy votes. <laughs> However, I won best dress because all white suit can't beat that. Oh man, killing it! That that's very that's very that's a very Tupac move right there. Something like that. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. So, um, you know, I I uh, I know you have so so moving forward a little bit. Like, when did you get involved with the uh, Christopher and 
Dana Reed Foundation as, you know, working with them as a collaborator? Um, pretty quickly, to be honest with you. Uh, my dad received a phone call from a man named Alan Brown, who works at the Reed Foundation, uh, within the first 48 hours, probably. Uh, and at that time, it wasn't about, oh, yeah, your son can help us raise money. But, of course, it, it was about, uh, you know, the, he was helping out my dad, myself, you know, a lot with what we needed. Because, as you know, there's lots of things that, you know, a new spinal cord injury member and family members, like, they don't know anything about this. This is a whole new thing. You need someone to help. So they were involved. But then when it came to just helping raise money for the Reed Foundation, I probably got involved like maybe within a year because once once I started doing uh, fundraisers and coming from you know Kessler, uh, rehab Kessler, I don't know, I don't know with you. You probably have the same experience. Like when I was at rehab and when I go to outpatient therapy, uh, I'm blessed. Like I, I have a van in which someone can drive me. So you know, uh, so I go, I get dropped off. Um, but there are times when I go to outpatient therapy and like guys would be dropped off in like a bed and they'd get put on the mat because they don't have a chair or they have stairs in their house and they can't get out. Right. So once I saw that, I was like, I was like, Oh my, like, this is so much bigger than me. You know? Right. And, uh, yeah. So shortly after that, I was like, I, I, uh, I really want to get involved. That was also something that Eric, Kind of, uh, kind of preached to me and uh, told me, you know, uh, it, it, we're, we're blessed in, in the sense of how we're injured and the spotlight that, that he had. Obviously, Eric, much bigger than myself, but uh, it was still, still very similar. Yeah when, yeah, when did you first meet Eric Legrand? That's, I was going to ask you about that, too. Cause he's, he's such uh, a motivational dude, man. Like he's, he's, uh, I mean, just like what he's fought through is, is incredible. So, um, yeah, talk yeah, about Eric a little bit and meet, meeting him. Yeah. I mean, the first time I met Eric, uh, I, I think it was in like February. Like I was still in the hospital. I wasn't even at Kessler yet. Uh, the rehab, um, and like, you know, I, I think I have like four or, well, I, I used to only have like two or three memories recently. I've gotten, I remember some more stuff, but, uh, you know, I've only have a handful of memories cause you know, I was drunk up a bunch and, uh, but I remember meeting Erica, you know, and, uh, but since that time we've become uh really good friends. He's like a big brother to me. And, uh, I'm, I'm super, super appreciative of, of him and everything he's done to help me. Uh, you know, his, uh, his foundation, uh, his coffee house, the Grand Coffee House, yeah. got to check that out. It's some good stuff. Is it good? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna order some coffee from him. Actually, I keep seeing his posts on on social media. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not a coffee guy myself, uh, but you know, Mother's Day I had to, I had to get mom bag two bags of coffee. <laughs> so uh, she, she, she loves it. That's the thing. Every Sunday, she's like. She's like, yeah, I start my Sunday with a cup of believe. I'm like, I'm like, there we go, ma. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, I, I told you before we uh, started recording. The reason, I, one of the reasons I, I started like looking into you a little bit is because I saw the picture of you and Eric, and you had the uh, the Jesus Shuttlesworth uh, throwback high school jersey on uh, in your in the picture. So I was like, this this dude's uh, seems like he'd be perfect to come on the show and talk a little bit. You know, first of all, I love that. I love that movie. Movie Ray Allen uh, played Jesus Shuttlesworth to a T. It's pretty much the story of Stephon Marbury, but you know, Spike Lee directed great. That does awesome. But I mean, I'm uh, my family's like from Brooklyn, so uh, I was like, I was like, yeah, I can get a Lincoln High School jersey. Like, it's pretty sweet. Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Well, um, you know, so your work with, you know, getting involved with, with um, the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation, I know you've had uh, a number of like golf tournaments and, and like the Mikey Strong charity hockey games 
kind of in conjunction with, uh, I guess, the New Jersey Devils out there, of the NHL team. Um, you know, how did you know what what got the ball rolling on that? Like, which which happened first, the golf tournament, the hockey game, and and how did those come about? Because it's pretty exciting, man. Like, there's you know they seem like it's a pretty uh, pretty great time. Yeah, yeah. So the, the golf tournament was the was the first thing. Um, the golf tournament, you know, uh, the first event happened. You know, I got hurt in January. First event was in August. Like it was oh, that wow. quick. Um. So the first the first charity hockey game, uh, how that came about was I was invited onto uh by Craig Carton onto Boomer Carton TV show out here. Uh, well, radio show out here. Also, uh, Samakasa on CBS Sports Networks on WFN, and uh, what up, Boomer Sison, um, and Craig Carton. Now it's Boomer Geo, but they invited me on, and you know I was going to be on first, you know, fifteen minute segment, whatever. And um, I told my story, and at that time I was eighteen years old, I believe, and. Uh, they're like, hey, you want to be on the rest of the show? I was like, hell yeah, like, let's do it. And, um, you know, they're just saying, we're going to do a charity hockey game. We're going to do a charity hockey game for you. And uh, that that came about shortly afterwards uh, with the help of them. You know, the first one started at a local rink here in, uh, here in Jersey, in Middletown, New Jersey. Uh, that only held, like, 2,000 people, 2,200 people. And then, uh, and the Devils were involved when it was there, but uh, we weren't sure that we could sell it out. And uh, once I knew we could sell it out, I was like, we're going to the Prudential Center where the Devils play. Devils are more than a gracious host. Um, they, they, the Devils are an amazing organization, completely first class. That's very cool. And so, and um, I know that in 20, like 2020, it got canceled or postponed or whatever. So, have you guys been able to to get back out and, and get the golf tournament and the hockey game back uh, back this year? So we've been able to get the we've been able to have the golf tournament going every year. Oh, that's, um, that's yeah. Even in 2020, because it was by August, the numbers were down some, and and golfing you're outside, you know, right. uh, you're not you're not you're not really was congregating in in, in one area wow. one not so. Instead of our little um, luncheon, we had we had it kind of outside, not not. Uh, but whatever, we've been going on for you know that year. Haven't been able to start the hockey game yet. That's a little more indoors. Uh, you're up closer. We're also dealing with the. Uh, it's at the Prudential Center, so that's dealing with a a, a NHL team, obviously in season type thing. So. It's been tough, but it, I have lots of faith that we're going to get it going. Um, you know, uh, uh, the support that, that I've gotten is absolutely phenomenal, and I never would have thought and, and believed this if you told me this on January 5th. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So the money, like, so you guys got the golf tournament going right away, so, and, and I know the money went to help the Christopher Dana Reed Foundation. But um, were you guys also able to like raise some money just for like your care and stuff, or or was it all yeah, yeah. For charity? No, no, no. So like my first year, it was it was all it was all, I think it was all for my care, and then every year since then, um, I I've been able to donate twenty five percent of the proceeds, thirty percent um, of the proceeds to the Christopher Dean Reed Foundation because it it really only raised like. 10, 15,000 the first year. Now we're getting the numbers up some. Um, and uh, bigger number means, you know, more of a portion I can donate. Like with my hockey game, for example, we would raise close to $100,000 every year. I'd be able to donate, I'd be able to donate 50% to the Reed Foundation. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's important. It's important to do this fundraising. Um, you know, I, we recently moved and, you know, I have a, see, I have that lift up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's actually like a, it's not in the ceiling, but whatever. I had to pay for that out of pocket. You know, insurance is going to pay for that. Uh, 
my shower chair is eight, eight years old. And, you know, insurance is denying coverage of it. Like, what are you talking about? Right. So that that fundraising is extremely important. And uh, I'm blessed to have the support. That's why uh, I try to donate as much as I possibly can because there's so many more people out there besides myself. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and that's, that's so like, people don't realize, yeah, what we go through like on, on a daily basis, like dealing with like old equipment and stuff like that. So I'm glad you're able to uh, at least use some of that money for, for your personal care as well. Um, you know, did, so I, I saw a little thing about you getting drafted by the Danbury Whalers uh, hockey yeah. team. I think it's like a minor league hockey team, uh, which was really cool, man, that they, that they did that. Um, you know, what was that experience like? And how long after your injury was that? That, that, that was cool. Uh, I, I got drafted, I think, like six months after I got here. I think it was in June. That was, that was, that was really cool. Um, that was a really cool experience. And then, um, and then you know, so did them, they just like reach out to your family and say, Hey, can we, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, it was like a, it was a great honor. Um, uh, but then it was really cool. I don't know if you, you watch Netflix, uh, one of the untold stories on there. Look up the Danbury trashers. I, I actually was just going to ask you about that. Cause I, yeah, that was a great, uh, that was an incredible documentary. I was I just watched that uh, a few months ago. Yeah, the uh, the Danbury Whalers had to go through a lot of hoops and stuff to uh, clean up clean up all that stuff from the trashers. <laughs> so the, the same same rink, same everything, just different different uh, owners. Did, yeah, I was gonna say, did you get to meet the meet the old school owners? Uh, I think maybe the dad's in jail. I'm not sure, but no, no. Back in 2014, they like it was like hush hush, like you never said anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, now it's like you probably said Drake's wearing the kid's jersey, like um, that's funny. so it's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a big thing now, but it, it's a uh, it was a r- really great honor and something I'll never forget for sure. I bet, I bet. Um, so like, and you know, so you're a high school hockey player, like what were your plans like after high school and were you going to try to continue playing hockey in college or, um, what was that? I was just going to play, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was all right. I wasn't, I wasn't anything special. Um, I was just going to play club hockey, uh, in college. Uh, and just be be a student athlete, and uh, then go to men's league where we all end up. You know, uh, just uh, I I, I love I played hockey my whole life, uh, travel hockey, and um, you know I I played hockey for twelve months out of the year. It wasn't like a six month thing. It was I played hockey all year round. That's cool, man. That's very cool. Uh, and then the one other thing I want to talk to you about. I know I read somewhere that you right when COVID hit, you had just started school at Rutgers and had like basically moved out of the house for the first time. Um, and then had to, you know, everything gets shut down. You got to move back. Like, I mean, what, cause now it seems like you're doing so well now, like that must've been a big setback. Like how did you kind of overcome and, you know, what was that like for you having to, having to backtrack a little bit? So that, that was a really, really big, uh, setback first and foremost that was my first experience living on my own right and uh not just just as a person in general less you know also taking the fact that as as a paralyzed individual living on uh on our own without a family is is a big deal uh but then also um it was a wonderful experience because i had the the radio station right down the street and I did a lot in radio. I really love, uh, that, that was my passion. My goal is to become, you know, a radio broadcaster or something like that. Play by play color, something along those lines. I'm a big sports guy. And, um, when COVID hit it, I had to backtrack, you know, move back home. I was sick for, I was in a hospital for 10 days with double pneumonia at the time of COVID. 
Uh, it might have been COVID, might not. Who knows? Um, but it, it, it was definitely tough. It made me reevaluate things, um, which made me uh, eventually find this job, uh, which I'm doing now as a paraprofessional, uh, which kind of opened me up to kind of new directions in which I want to go. And so now I re-enrolled at college. I'm going to Ryder now because it's closer in proximity. Uh, part-time starting in the fall, I'm going to finish my degree to my, my uh, goal is to become a teacher. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but uh, that's my goal for now. And so as a paraprofessional, what are you just like, working with some of like the disabled kids at the school, um, like mentoring them or like, what's your, what's your role there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily like disabled kids, but definitely mentoring them for sure. Uh, yeah, so you work with, you work with everybody then. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I work with everyone. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. you know, the, there are some kids that, that I do work with that have some special needs. Um, but the, not, None of them are, are disabled in, in, in any in any sense. And a lot of them, you know, are, are most of them, 99% of them are all great kids. And uh, I love being like that mentor figure for them. Kind of a, uh, I like to think of myself as like a big brother. I really don't like being a disciplinary type kid. Like, hey, put your phone away type thing. Like, I, right. you know what I mean? Like, uh, but like, I mean, if you're taking a test and you got your phone out, I was like, get to my job but yeah. when it comes to anything else uh no nah, I'm, I'm really i'm, I'm there to, to help you out to be everything to assist you in any way possible and do everything i possibly can to help you that's that's very cool man it's gotta be rewarding too uh working with the kids and it's the same high school you you said you it's at the same high school you went to right yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely rewarding. The best part is the kids, definitely. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah, man. Um, you know, Mike, I'm so thankful that you were uh, able to come on the show and kind of tell your story and, and what you're doing. And we'll, I'll put all the links so that people can, um, you know, hopefully donate for, for the golf tournament. And then when you guys get the hockey game going again, maybe make some donations for that. And uh, yeah, man, this, is, this has been fun, dude. We'll have to do it again sometime soon for sure. Love that. I I uh, appreciate you having me on for sure, and uh, you know it was great talking to you, and uh, we'll definitely do this again. I, I love doing it. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, Mike Nichols. Thank you so much, man. We will uh, we'll definitely be in touch down the road. All right. Be good, my man. All right, bro. Bye. All right. That was Mike Nichols. I uh, want to thank him again for for joining us on the podcast. Um, Brandon, I know you appreciated that he had the uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth jersey on. Uh, I had to call that out. That was that was legit, man. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, when you're making Tupac references and anything Sonics related, and of course, Ray Allen played for the Sonics. You're, I'm gonna be your number one fan over here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a champion! What a champion this guy is. I mean. Um, Suffering a stroke, you know, during Man. recovery. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was a bad deck of cards he was dealt that day. <laughs> so, but uh, it's nice to see that he's able to, uh, you know, have his foundation, be able to self-support himself. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's really cool that, that you know, yeah, he was able he was able to connect with the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation and and become one of their ambassadors and they kind of helped them get uh, the ball rolling on some um, on a golf tournament, uh, the annual golf tournament that they've been doing for a number of years since his injury. And then um, also that, that hockey tournament, which is, I mean, how cool. And he would like, I don't know if you guys did that. Like he mentioned it in the, um, in the interview there about the Danbury, uh, I forget the name, uh, yeah. Rashers or whatever. Like they had, there's a documentary on Netflix called, bad sport or something and oh my god that's like basically this mob mob boss that um this mob boss that they say might be based on tony the real life tony soprano 
that he bought this team and just gave it to it. His son got injured playing hockey as well. Not seriously injured, but he couldn't play anymore. So his dad, like kid was still in high school, bought him this minor league hockey team. And he just, they went out and, and then the, the, it coincided with the same year that the NHL had a strike. So they, he just went and hired a bunch of NHL players to come play for him. And yeah, they were he just essentially spent a bunch of money. Yeah. And they were like, they were just beating other teams up. Like just, he Basically, would like give them bonuses the if they would just beat the shit out of the other team. It was, it was some of the craziest. So they, they went to, yeah, I think like one of the guys on the team got hurt pretty seriously and the owner or the, the owner's dad, the one who bought the team for his son, slipped, slipped the player who got injured, got slipped the player who hurt him to address. And he's like, you want me to take care of this, basically? And he was just like, no, no, man, it's part of the game, you know, like, chill oh out. It was some That's wild him. stuff. So then he got drafted by that team. Uh, they called the. I mean, this is like years later with new ownership and everything, but. Yeah, he's great. like they don't they don't talk about them. <laughs> the names shall not be mentioned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um yeah, one of the things that I was really impressed about was again, Jeremy, uh the parallels that you and he have, you know, both in high school when you got injured, right? Yeah. Both, both got injured the, in January of our senior year. Yeah, yep. yeah. And uh, you know, it was pretty uh, you, I don't think you made prom king though, right? Well, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. But you're still a prince in our eyes. So, <laughs> prince, dude. Yeah. Jay but, went to uh, prom. He did all that though. Yeah, and uh, then both moved on to um, college and 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 are pretty successful, which is great. You know, it's it's a it's a good and inspiring story. I feel like a moron. I don't know why I thought a paraeducator meant he was like helping people with disabilities. It's like, oh yeah, I'm kind of just help everybody. It's like, oh man. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know where oh. what the what the definition of paraeducator is. Gina did that when the kids were in school, you know. It, and it's not just physical disabilities, but also behavioral issues. Yeah, maybe a learning disability. Different, yeah, different, all different types of things. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it means for like. Um, Gina was specialized was uh, reading her, yeah. her specialty was reading so yeah. if, if a kid's falling behind in reading they just come in and work with them individually for yeah. you know a 20 minutes a week or extra or something like that to try to catch them up yeah gotcha yeah. That's yeah. And, you, and you know what I um I have a friend um who was born with uh, cerebral palsy his son was born with cerebral palsy and um and he went through school, got his degree in education, but because he was so, um, he was unable to keep up with the class. He was a teacher. He, he they, they took him in into the Mount Tahoma School District, and he was a teacher for about six months, but he just couldn't keep up with it. Um, but that was probably 15 years ago. And I think one of the things now is that the technology is such that you know, there's all kinds of things that are adaptive aids, you know, just like this meeting right now that we're having yeah, uh, and yeah. this interview that will hopefully facilitate um, him in his uh, his goal of becoming a teacher. I would hope that, you know, that 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 doesn't be his disability doesn't become a stumbling stone. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh you know, yeah, I love, I love, uh, I love Mike's just message, man. He's positive, positive guy, loves sports, He's done a lot of cool things. And like, I, I found an article about him getting his uh, driver's license, I think, finally. And um, they had him, the, the, he had interned for a, a sports radio show in New Jersey and they had him come on and he kind of talked about, you know, what he'd been doing. And I, it was a great interview. And then I was like, I'm, reach out see if i can get him on the show well, i think you should reach out and see if you could get your driver's license dude yeah I mean, yeah <laughs> all don't want to see me on the road yeah so so he drives yeah wow i i, I thought uh, wow for some reason i thought that uh he he was uh, disabled on the left side or something like that because of his stroke i think he said he pretty much was back to normal 
Unless I'm, yeah, unless I'm tripping, I'm pretty sure he got his driver's license. I thought I read, I thought I heard an article. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Or uh, heard an interview with him on a sport, like on some kind of radio show or an article about the, about him uh, reaching out to the guy that he had interned for. So. Oh, very cool. Um, but yeah, man, Mike, uh, Mike Nichols, good dude. Like uh, everybody should go follow him on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, wherever else he's at. Let yeah, welcome out. to yeah, the welcome along. to the get him yeah. get, get, try to get yeah. involved with the golf tournament, whatever the case may be. And uh yeah. Yeah, welcome him to the Live to Walk Again family. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and then I think that's cool. Like we're we want to do I want to do a golf tournament, man, here in the next couple of years, live to walk again golf tournament. So we're working on that it's coming soon to a golf course near you. Ricardo, your kids started golfing, so they'll be the Maybe they'll tee it up for us first. But oh, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. They'd be all in. So. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, we will be back next week. I got a, uh, a doctor lined up to be on the show um, that I uh, from the University of Michigan that has been researching um, the way basically that um, people with spinal cord injuries and paralysis deal with life and are actually happier and um you know, I guess mentally more uh, able to like accept uh, the, the highs and lows of life than people, than able-bodied people. So I'm interested to, to hear about that. I thought it was really interesting when I saw the, uh, the article about it. And I, yeah, I was, thankfully the, the doctor was nice enough to come on. So we're going to, I'm going to talk to her next week and we'll, we'll do another one then. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you everyone for listening. You can uh, listen to this podcast anywhere. We're on, you know, Apple, Spotify, uh, tune in all these anywhere, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. We're, we're there. So check us out. Uh, like, rate, review and share. Appreciate you all till next all right. time. Thanks guys. Thank you, Jeremy. Bye.